Western Undergraduate Research Journal's podcast. I'm John, and I'm joined by Somia. Hi, I'm Somia. This is the first episode of Nerge Talks in a series called Voices of Diversity, where we invite guest artists from the BIPOC community. This series is part of the 1851 Project, a publication we started last June to amplify the voices of historically underrepresented communities. Today, we have our guest artist, Freddie Ballantyne, an opera singer from Norfolk, Virginia. He is a recent graduate of Washington National Opera's Young Artist Program. How are you, Freddie? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Okay, so our first question is, um, tell us a little bit about how you got into opera. Um, did you start at a younger age and learn later on, or did you always think um, that this is where you'd end up? Um, not at all, actually. Um, I went to, well, I always sang, yeah. I went to, uh, I grew up in the church. Um, and like anybody, any kid growing up in the church who had to do children's choir, they thought that I had a pretty little soprano voice. So I was always given the solos all the time. Um, but it wasn't anything I enjoyed. To be honest, I think, um, I think the only reason I did it is because my parents loved the attention. <laughs> like my parents loved just having a son that uh, they could boast about. Like he was the boy who was always singing. Like they always loved that. And so my parents loved parading me in front of uh, the church. Like if we were all home. I was forced to sing all the time. Um, but I didn't, I, it was, I was a very shy kid. So I don't know if I quite loved it. I can't, I think it's something that in the moment I always enjoyed. Um, but like leading up to it, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, I, but in middle school for, and for as long as I can, far back as I can remember, I wanted to go into law. I wanted to go into corporate law and that's just what it, what it was for me. Um, but around in middle school uh, my last year there, um, my parents just happened to bump into one of my old music teachers from all the way back in elementary school. And she was like, how's Freddie doing? Is he still singing? And they said, yeah, I mean, he's singing in, uh, I was in boys choir at the time and still singing at church. And she suggested that I audition for this performing arts high school in my area. Um, and again, didn't want to do it. My mama made me. She like threw me into a suit, dragged me down to this audition. I was the only kid there in a suit. So I was already livid about it. And I arrived and I, because I was in the boys choir, I had a few things that I could just sing anyway that I could pull out. Um, I forgot what they, one of them was P.A. Yezu. The other one was, oh, I can't remember. Um, but I got there, these two men who ended up being huge influences on my life, uh, Robert Brown and Alan Fisher, um, they were there, they conducted the audition. And when I finished, they were like, so Freddie, uh, honestly, yes, this is going to sound like I'm full of myself. I wasn't full of myself. And I don't even think I was trying to sabotage this audition. I just truly didn't want to be there. So I was just like very nonchalant about all these questions. And I was also a very honest kid. I'm trying to remember these questions in order. They're like, um... So Freddie, um, why would you like to come to the governor's school? And I was like, I, I, I really don't know what the governor's school is. Like, <laughs> why? Why should I come to the governor's school? What is this? <laughs> and they were like, I kid. <laughs> and it was, they told me what it was. It was the school where we did, where you would learn how to sing and learn how to read music and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And they were like, so Freddie, how do you feel the governor's school could help you to improve your singing? And I go, 
I really don't know how I could be any better than I already am. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like, somehow they let that kid into that school. I don't know why, <laughs> but they let me in. Um, again, that was not an Eagle thing. That was just me not knowing that one could take voice lessons to improve their singing. I had no idea one could take voice lessons. Um, but I got there from day one, it was opera. Uh, I was still a boy soprano at the time. Uh, so what is this from 13? Um, I was still a boy soprano at the time and my voice didn't change until sometime in my sophomore year actually. And I still wanted to do law that entire time. I was very realistic about that. And I knew that if my voice changed and it wasn't anything that I could work with in the field, then I wasn't gonna go pursue that. But um, it changed and it was, I was still somewhat good. <laughs> so I just kept singing, never really stopped doing it. So I guess I started singing um, very, very early, but no earlier than I think most people, you mean you grew up in the church, you start singing early, but opera came into my life around 12 or 13. I see. Yeah, I, I think that's very typical of people who go into opera, like they start singing really, really early. Um, and then somewhere like along the lines of middle school and high school, you know, they discover that um, it's a passion of theirs. So personally, I also sing a little bit. Um, I study opera outside of school uh, with Carl Lawrence. Um, and my mom was a semi-professional singer in Japan. I started singing in the church as well. And then like I did um, Texas All-State Choir, you know, in high school and I slowly yeah. transitioned to opera. So uh, not exactly the same story, but I've, I've know, I know a lot of people, you know, who start singing when they're young, you know, especially in the church. Um, and then they, you know, um, eventually mature into opera so it's really cool Freddie. yeah I think it's how a lot of us find it you know it's it, it I feel like it's a lot less to do with singers it's a lot less to do with like your parent wanting you to pursue an instrument you know that's something that parents seek out very much but I think with voice like it's it's the most readily available instrument it's the easiest thing to teach a kid off the bat so so many of us just start very randomly while we're young yeah I agree but it's cool that your mom was a singer like that's that's really awesome <laughs> I kind of wanted to add on to that first question that we asked and press that further. Like what influenced your decision to pursue opera professionally instead of law? Like when was that kind of change? My voice was, I was the boy soprano all the way through freshman year. And at the end of the freshman year, my voice started changing very strangely. Like I developed a chest voice, but I never stopped using my falsetto around that time because I was singing in the opera as a soprano and I was singing in all these scenes as a soprano. So I never stopped using that. And my chest voice kind of squeaked in under there without any cracks or anything that you would typically associate with it. So I didn't know it was there. And they found out about it randomly when they put me with the boys because I couldn't sing with the girls. I had to sing with the boys chorus for the Mikado. And um, I was like, it's, and I felt like it was too high and they listened to it and they're like, oh wait, no, you actually have a bass voice. You have a bass or a chest voice now that's weird. Um, but when that happened, like I said, it was end of freshman year and I was like, cool, we'll revisit this when I return, <laughs> you know? And then I came back in first sophomore year and I started singing right away. Um, and I got one of the leading roles in the opera that, one of the operas that year, which was Died on Aeneas, I was Aeneas. And when I was doing that, I was like, this is actually quite fun because before I didn't have any roles in the opera, I was just in the chorus. And I was like, this is actually really, really fun. I, quite, I really, really enjoy being on the stage right now. I'm, and being, honestly, I'm gonna have to reiterate this so many times throughout this interview. I am not full of myself, but I loved being the center of attention, you know, <laughs> is what it came down to. Um, and so I, I don't know exactly when I made the decision. I do remember talking to my teachers about it around that time. I remember talking to Mr. Brown specifically backstage one day 
And once I realized, I, I, I went to them, I went to one of my teachers and I was like, do you think that I could try to, to use this voice like for real and have a career? And you know, she was like, girl, you're, you're, you're 13, you're 14, calm down. <laughs> but, but she was like, no, you actually do have a, you have a very strong instrument. It's definitely something that you could use to get into college. I'm sure even though we go for the next four years, we'll figure it out more, three years. Um, but when, when I realized that the instrument was gonna work in that direction or had the potential to work in that direction, that's when it happened. And then I also realized around that time who I was as a person and I was, I was, and I realized that I don't know if my personality would have worked with me going into law. I started thinking about that as well. My personality works really, really well for the performance world. And I don't know if they were ready for all that in the other side. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And that is, what does opera mean to you and why is it important? So I think everybody comes at this from a very different standpoint. Musicians are so weird. And for me, opera is a medium in which I can just be so many things, you know, and get still myself. Uh, I, I think that anybody who's seen me perform know, who has seen me perform, they know that I always bring as much of myself to the character as I can. Otherwise I won't be able to do it. I'm not, I'm not good at being things other than myself to an extent. Um, and opera gives me the chance to be myself, but in so many different ways, you know? I can be myself, but as a villain. I can be myself, but as a lover. I can be myself, but as an abolitionist. Um, uh, and that's that's just something that's so special. You can't do that in the other in other fields, you know. And also with art, with opera being such a, I don't want to say high art form because we really need to get away from that. But with opera being such an uh, an art form that integrates so many other art forms, you know, there is there is the acting there. There sometimes is the dance there, but there's always there's always the voice, and that voice is in addition to allowing me to do opera. But it's also just a, a vessel. For emotion, you know, it's it it it's so raw if you know how to do it and you know how to translate those emotions to the voice. So I would say that's what opera means to me. It's it's just the purest form of expression that I've been able to that I've been able to use. When I was younger, I was in an interview <laughs> with a really well-known conductor, and I said, uh, uh, "My uh, singing allows me to express myself better than words can." And he was like, "Okay, girl, work on that." <laughs> <laughs> like let's build the vocabulary and I wouldn't say it's all that but it definitely gives me the the opportunity to to express myself in a different way at words again yeah I'll, I'll add on to that I, I definitely agree like as both a singer and a pianist like um I feel like with voice it's a little bit more personal you know because yeah. with the instrument you're trying to express yourself through the instrument but with voice you're expressing yourself through yourself, you know, and that kind of like um, connection with the music is a little bit more intimate, you know, than like I would say any uh, instrumentation per se. So it's such, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Not to take any power from the instrumentalists, you know, as I know, <laughs> we, all, we all have our way of we all have our way of putting our soul into what we do. But there is something that is that is so uh, immediate and in, uh, in, uh, about what you're saying about the voice. I totally yeah. Yeah. I grew up playing violin and viola and my brother did voice and that was always something we talked about was kind of the difference between like instrumentation versus him just being able to sing and like how that reflects even like growing up like in orchestral settings or like choral settings it's very different. Yeah yeah there's so much uh there's such a freedom to it I would say that you may not have all the time if you're doing if you're using an instrument you know the color the way that you can 
walk into a performance in an opera and be like, I, you know, when I when I go out to perform a role that I've done a lot uh, to prevent it from getting stale, I do this thing that I stole from a Sutton Foster interview, which is I give myself a color. And I, and I sing that and play and perform that color throughout. And then like for each color, for the color, I'll give it as many adjectives as I can. You know what I mean? So I play all those adjectives that line up with that color throughout the entire performance. And you can't really, I don't know if you can do, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could with instrumentation, but you can hear it. I, I hear it, so, so, and I'm also a singer, so of course I hear it, but I hear it very genuinely when I tell my friends to try things like that. And they're like, wow, that, I, I really, it really gave me something different to play with. And I hear what, I hear those colors coming through as well. That was another sidebar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like, yeah, that's one of the hallmarks of singing, I think, is like the variety of sound, not in just like, you know, your own voice, but also like everybody else's voice as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. All right. Now, as a segue to that, um, our next question is, um, how does opera as a media of art deliver or address issues of diversity, inequality or racial justice? Good question. How are we doing it? Right. Are we doing it enough? Is my is also my other question. I don't think we're doing it nearly as enough. Uh, nearly enough. I think that every time you see, um, it's just like what you would say with theater, right? Every time you see somebody on stage who doesn't look like historically what that person should be, that's further pushing us forward in the positive direction of equality. You know, it's sensitizing, it's desensitizing people from what they think they should see or the misconceptions that they feel that they should have in a. It, in terms of anything, you know, like when you saw Bridgerton just now, I'm sure everybody watched that. How beautiful was that to see so many people of so many races just being there and not giving a fuck about it, you know? Just, I feel like that's something that I don't see enough in opera. Um, when you're asking like, how does it deliver or address issues of, diver of diversity? I don't think it does yet. I think it's still really, really skating it. I feel like it's, they're really, really trying to avoid getting to the nitty gritty of this, you know? And it's not just on the stage. I don't feel like I see enough people, and I may be getting into one of these other questions too, but I don't see like, that I see enough people who look like any of us behind the stage. I don't see that, I don't see that in the, um, in the administration. I don't see that in production, I just don't. I see the same people and look, maybe that's because there are not that many who, people who are pursuing that. But I think that in order for opera to address issues of equality, they need to figure out how to address it backstage as much as they address it, as they pretend to address it on stage. I'm sorry, that may have been a lot more negative than we wanted to go with that, but that's, I, I think maybe just because of, <laughs> I'm tired today too, but that's where I stand with that. I, I don't see enough progress in terms of racial equality in opera. I've been in too many productions where I, I'm, I've been one of the other people of color, one of the only people of color on the stage, in the building. And it's just really, and I, I, I've been in situations in rehearsals where I have to like skate around the, the most awkward fucking racially charged shit that I've heard. And it's, it's I'm quite done with it. You know, so I think it's time that we just call it out for what it is. It's 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 not right, and it, it is blatant racial inequality in front of us. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Was that an answer to your question? 
Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll add on to that. Like, I, so I, I was a four-year All-Stater. Um, so I, I did two years All-State choir in Texas, and then oh, uh, two years. This is supposed to be lit. Oh, Girl, it's really oh, lit. Texas, like, it's lit. Oh my gosh, I was so jealous. I got <laughs> All-State that I was allowed to do. I got, I got in, and I was late to district choir. I was late. And they were like, oh, sorry, you're out of districts, which means you can't do this and you can't do Allstate now. I was like, I wow. already got in. And they were like, oh, well, now you're out. <laughs> so jealous. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did two years of Allstate in Texas and then two years in Illinois, um, you know, throughout high school. Uh, and yeah, that's something I definitely noticed. Like, I think it's more so actually in voice than in piano. Like in piano, you see a lot of, you know, Asian Americans um, pursuing the instrument. Um, but in voice, um, like... I mean, I was, I was like the only Asian kid around, you know, uh, and like with African Americans, Latinos, they're even less um, represented, you know, in choir. Um, yeah, and I totally echo your point with, uh, you know, just a flat out blatant racial inequality. Um, so. Yeah, and it, 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 I, I have, I will be honest though, there are companies that I'm seeing that are definitely taking big steps to address this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I now know one person of color who is uh, head of administration and that's uh, Afton Battle, who's now at uh, Fort Worth Opera. Uh, Portland Opera just did something quite cool where they actually have an entire studio that they just created quite impromptu back uh, around sometime this summer. They just was like, okay, cool. Let's just see what we can do with lifting up some black singers. And they created an entire studio of just, I think four or five black singers that they had auditioned very last minute and flew them all over and they've been there the entire season. I think that's another step, but um, I think the, I'll wait, cause I, I feel like this is gonna be a later question, but I think steps like that is, are exactly what we need to see, you know? And it's not, as you said, it's not just, it's not just black singers, it's Asian singers, where are those singers there? There are not that many in opera either, you know? I mean, yes, in other places, definitely, but in right. the States, not. Nah, I don't see right. enough of that. But you're right, I do see it a little bit, like if I look into the pit, I see more faces, which is beautiful. I definitely see that more. But that also has a lot to do, I think, with how they do auditions for instrumentalists, right? Are many auditions blind or is that in my imagination? They're, they're, most of them are actually not blind. Okay, know? okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, I, th I think it could also be um, it's an oral art form, I think, is what the other part of that is. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that kind of actually segues directly into our next question, which is uh, where should opera go in the future? And um, are there any additional ways to um, improve diversity, um, not just in opera, but in the arts? I just wanted to add to that really quickly. But something you mentioned earlier was that maybe not as many underrepresented minorities or artists of color like start pursuing this at that younger age. And kind of are there ways to maybe get them involved in the arts at a younger age? It's also something I wanted to ask about. You know, I, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this and I, 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 yeah, yeah, of course there are ways. I think there are companies that are, it's called outreach, you know, it's, it's called exposure. You have to expo expose people to the art form that you want them to pursue, whether it's you wanting them to buy a ticket or you wanting them to eventually pursue it, you know? Um, there are some companies that are that have started doing that more, uh, and there are some companies that have kind of always done that, but like maybe not the best ways. Um, but I think that's one of the first things we need to do, especially if you want to, if you're talking about kids, you know, especially like look, if I hadn't, if there hadn't been a performing arts high school in my area, I never would have known about opera, you know. Um, and that school, like 
services so and that school is a public school so that was the other factor there it wasn't a private school it was a public school it was free it was paid for by the public school system there was no financial part of that that my family would have had to worry about because otherwise they wouldn't have done it you know so that's another factor too we have to recognize that a lot of people who are minorities in this country don't have the means to pursue a business like don't have the means to find out about classical music and or and then of course they don't have the means to study it don't have the means to pick up an instrument don't have the means to uh to to get to a performing arts high school if there's no school bus that can take them there you know um for me it was i i was very very lucky but i know many people probably most people are not so i think that's definitely the one way they can go around about doing it the other one is doing exactly what they're doing now when they use people like me or my other friends of color who are like Put us in front of people, put us in front of people who look like us and let them know that people who look like us have the ability to be on this stage. I think there is something of an iron curtain and it's probably built around race and money uh, that leads that leads people of color into thinking that they can't be, <laughs> that they can't do this, you know, that it's not meant for them, which is false. You know, this is, it's an art form. Art is meant for everyone. Art and its enjoyment is meant for everyone, you know? But I think that we, yeah, there, is, there is some type of separation there that I feel that we need to address for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the separation point. Like one point I like to mention was when I was in sixth grade choir. So this is like, you know, just like introductory um, choir in middle school. Um, that's when our school system started, imp uh, you know, uh, implementing choir. Uh, it was very diverse. You know, we had a lot of um, Asians, Blacks, um, you know, uh, Hispanics, um, and, and also, um, you know, Caucasians. We had a whole mix of people, but, as as you get to like you know i guess high school um and also um you know you know as the process goes on like in high school music with musicals with opera with all state like um it seems like there there would be like this kind of racial segmentation almost you know and like i i i, I would think that uh, i mean this is just by assumption but a lot of these kids of underrepresented minorities get discouraged you know because you look at a high school choir or even all state right something that they hope to strive for and they look at you know opera uh, i remember like there are many kids who are extremely good singers who just dropped out of choir you know yeah. um, and, and i wonder if it's some kind of you know kind of discouragement almost from like you know the upper um or i guess more, more professional stages where they don't see anybody who looks like them at all it's not, I mean, they just don't know to pursue something. They don't know that it's within the realm of possibility. Right, exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there was something else that I had on the tip of my tongue. Can you phrase uh, uh, your question one more time? Yeah, absolutely. The question was, where should opera go in the future? Are there ways to improve diversity in the arts? Yes, I already, I already touched base on like a few ways that I feel like we can improve diversity in the arts for sure. Um, a lot of it is, again, price. Also, I mean, there has to be something said to, uh, just, I'm still stuck on this too, because I was thinking about like, when, when I go to a show, when I go to an opera, and I'm, and I'm an opera singer who does well enough, and I don't feel very welcome most of the time. No, I'm very used to, I'm very used to being at the opera, you know, I'm very used to like brushing it all off my shoulder. But the looks that I get being a black man, a young black man walking around at the opera, there are many of those, you know? And I feel like there has to be like, also in terms of the audience, there needs to be a level of acceptance of other people who maybe don't look like you or have your socioeconomic standing. That was the other thing. Future of opera. Are you talking about in relation to diversity or just in general? 
Oh, we could start with in general and then we can go into like in terms of diversity. Okay. Um, I mean, I think I, I think we've touched on a lot of hopefully what could be the future of opera, what could make opera a little more integrated in terms of like integrating in the future. Um, future of opera, I think opera is, is really on a precipice right now, right? Um, of just feeling boring and people having the impression that we're boring. Um, and, I, and I was worried about that. I was very worried about like the future of opera prior to the pandemic. But now, so long I feel like is so, I feel that so long as we can catch our, we can get our sea legs. Uh, I mean, for the world, if we all can, if we all can get through whenever we all get vaccinated and herd immunity happens, however far into the future that happens, if we all can get through that. And I'm talking, now I'm back on opera. If we can get through that, I actually, See, foresee opera surviving for a long time because I feel like this pandemic really, really forced us into forward thinking. Just forced it upon all of us, forced us all to think outside of the box without question, you know? And I think across the board, the companies that I've seen like doing so many things um, with film, I don't think they're gonna lose that now that they have uh, just like the ingenuity that I've been seeing, I don't think that's going to go away if, once we're back in the theater. I think it's actually just going to stay there because it's given people the opportunity to appreciate more of the art form. And it's, it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't downgrade us at all. I think people were like, oh, it's a high art form. We can't, we can't come down to a level like that. But that's not actually what we did. We just elevated ourselves by, while maintaining the artistry. I think that has to be the future of opera. And I think if you look at, if you look at, straight theater, you know, you don't hear about them being like, oh, well, actually I think any type of live theater, we all were worried about for a while there. But if you look at them and you see like how they had already been on a trajectory, if you, like it, an opera was just quite stagnant, probably a lot to do with our older audiences and fear that we would lose our audiences if we tried to go outside the box a little bit. I think now that we've begun to go outside the box because we didn't, because we had no choice but to do so, it's only going to continue. So that's for me that I hope that that's the future of opera. I think that we can, I hope that we can continue just thinking more about what people will find interesting, both physically and, and audibly. And I think also that again, pays, plays into diversity. I hope we can just start thinking more about what people won't be as offended about as they're afraid of, you know? Once you put something on the stage, maybe it will, actually be totally fine, whether it's a person of color or of somebody who is not able-bodied, you know? It's just, I think we have to be ready to push the envelope and I, and I think we are. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, so to end um, this episode of the podcast, um, I'd like to ask you, um, are there any artists, um, you know, either going up or now um, that you feel like um, have inspired you greatly um, in your um, journey in opera? Oh my gosh, growing up. Yeah, growing up, it was most definitely Jesse Norman. The way that woman could just hold a phrase. And it, it just, it truly was something remarkable to me. And that she also, uh, at her time, was undoubtedly one of the best singers that there were. There was never a question about her, her ability. You know, there was, it, it was, she was so fucking good that her race, could not be an issue. It, there was no way you could allow her race to be an issue. Now, was it an issue? Yeah, of course, because people are stupid, but it should never have been an issue. It's the same thing with Leontine Christ, like so good, the voice so amazing that it just it couldn't be an issue. Um, but for Jessie, it was just everything about her for me, like the way that she could just, the way she sang Mahler, 
was just unlike anything I'd ever heard of when I was growing up, the, the color she could bring to it and just the honesty of sound and the richness of flavor she had in her and with the text, just like the way that she said her text and just watching her mouth move while she sang her text, just like, just like everything so specific um, for her. It was, it was, that was always it for me, Jesse Norman. She was the one I've always looked up to. Um, it was very painful when she passed away uh, last fall, but not this past fall, but the fall before that. Um, and I, and again, in terms of in terms of like who she was to the black community, she was a pillar. I would say, you know, she, as I mentioned earlier, she just was one that took away the question of whether or not a person of color could do this because she was that good. Wow. Yeah, I remember listening to uh, Jesse Norman um, in actually my music history class because uh, we were talking about performers, um, you know, from underrepresented minorities. Yeah, her voice is just spot on. Like like you said, like the specificity of vowel is just pristine. So. <laughs> it's true. It's like, I was just listening to her Ariadne again the other day and I was like, what must it be like in the audience just living with that? Just, whew, amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Freddie. Um, it was so nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nerge Talks. Please follow us on Instagram at the NURJ and like us on Facebook. Stay tuned for our next episode. And as always, go Cats! <laughs>